soon. Pastor Scott will be able to lead us in that soon. Uh, but this morning, we're going to be in John chapter 1. So let me read that for us. We're going to be in the first 18 verses together um, there. So it says this. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out. This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the father's side. He has made him known. Let's pray together. Father, thanks upon thanks upon thanks that you have sent Jesus Christ into the world. But I pray that our time together will show us that that was the beginning of the grace you were showing us. The incredible gift of Jesus is unbelievable. But you followed that up by grace through your Spirit's work to open our eyes to see and believe. Otherwise, we would look right at Him and miss Him. And Father, You followed it up with, by Your Spirit through Your Word so that we have before us this morning a revealed Word that tells us about who He is. Father, thank you for that. I pray that your spirit would work. I pray, Father, that we would treasure Jesus Christ as the incredible gift of life, eternal life that he is, and that he would get glory from his people this morning. We ask these things to you, Father, through the name of Jesus, your son, that your spirit would work among his people. Amen. So just to set some context, this is December the 25th. It is, we call Christmas Day. Um, so uh, we celebrate the 
birth of Jesus on this day, though we are almost assured that he was not born on December the 25th. In fact, December the 25th is uh, was actually picked uh, from a Roman pagan holiday um, and uh, uh, because the Romans basically spent a ton of time partying on De December the 25th, uh, it became a problem for people who were converting from pagan to Christianity. So the Christian leaders said, we should probably do something uh, for this holiday. And so they came up with the idea that they would celebrate the birth of Jesus on December the 25th. That was probably somewhere uh, latter part of the fourth century. And that was lightly celebrated until about uh, uh, somewhere around the 10th century. Then it became a bigger thing when it hit Europe and got to, uh, in particular, Germany. So just in case you folks didn't think anything ever great came out of Germany, you got Christmas from Germany. Um, so uh, and uh, and so Christmas, um, it it's a it's a Christian holiday. Some would call it a major Christian holiday, but the irony is most about half of Christendom, we haven't really celebrated. In fact, on our own soil, when the Puritans got here, had you been found to have gone to church on Christmas and it wasn't a Sunday, you would have been beaten in the streets in any area ruled by the Puritans. So Connecticut would be a good example of this. They would have found you and beat you uh, because they thought Christmas was a horrible idea because they thought it was going to be like the Catholics. Um, so my point on that is, what is Christmas to us? Well, Christmas to us, I think it's a worthy celebration in as much as we look at who is uh, Jesus Christ. And so we've looked at John this morning. It's typically not considered one of the most Christmas texts, if you will. So uh, the way that the, we have four Gospels that tell us about Jesus, Matthew was probably the first one. Matthew uh, is emphasizing for us that Jesus Christ is the son of David. So as soon as uh, Jesus dies um, and he's risen and he ascends and the, and the gospel begins to spread and the, his followers begin to go out, they realize very quickly they need to get a, a book out that explains who this Jesus is in relight and in, um, is referenced in the Old Testament. So how does he connect to the Old Testament? Well, the best way to explain to a Jew that this is the Messiah is to make sure you can show he is the son of David. And so Matthew is a beautiful historical account of Jesus as the son of David. So we get one of our Christmas texts about Jesus there in Matthew 1 and in Matthew 2. Then as soon as that happened, we get there's another gospel called Mark. Guess what? Mark's got nothing about the uh, Christmas account at all. We don't hear anything in Mark. He doesn't tell us anything about it. And that's because he was that was Peter's account. And Peter was very careful. Uh, Mark was his secretary. He's very careful to not give us anything to which he wasn't an eyewitness. He didn't see it. He doesn't talk about it. That's why it's so brief. And that's why it sounds like Peter, as you're reading, is a very rushed account. And then this happened. Then that happened, right? Uh, that's, that's what you get. But he's careful to show us that he is the servant of Yahweh. But then Luke comes and Luke gives us an amazing historical account. So Luke chapter 2 is one where we usually hear about the, that's where we get the shepherds coming and all that. What is Luke up to? Luke is trying to show us that Jesus, this one born Jesus, he is not just the son of David. He's the very son of Adam. And he is the promised one who will save not just the Jews, 
but all people. So Luke gives us this history, a beautiful history of Jesus. And then it's probably some 60 years later that John writes his account. John has a very, very direct purpose. This is the son of David. Yes. This is the son of man, the son of Adam. Yes. But this is the very son of God. That's what John is up to. That's what's been under assault for a long, long time. Uh, and that's what Christians uniquely believe. So if you're here and you're wondering, am I a Christian? Am I a Christian? Well, it all comes down to this question. Who do you believe Jesus of Nazareth is? Nobody, almost nobody, would say that he never lived. Every major religion has a stance on him. They all believe he lived. The question is, who do you say Jesus of Nazareth is? So in our short time together this morning, I hope you will hear who John says, who God says Jesus of Nazareth is. So he says this in the very beginning. He says, in the beginning was the word. Now that language is supposed to sound very, very familiar because that's how the Bible starts, right? You remember in Genesis chapter one, uh, even if you uh, have no idea, you could probably guess it starts with something like uh, in the beginning, God, right? That's how it starts. It's the exact same language that John uses is intentional. In the beginning was the word. Now it's the Greek word logos. Um, and, and we actually use this a lot. So if you go to a funeral, the the person, the funeral is going to get up and say a eulogy, a eulogos. They're going to say that because that's a good word. It's what we do when people die. We, it's kind of just one of the nice, respectful things we do. We give them a good word. You're never going to get a good word. You die, you get a good word. You get a eulogy, right? It's a good logos. It's a good word. So in the beginning was the word. Why does John say, he's talking about Jesus, why does he say that Jesus was the Word? Well, the idea of Word came like this. So this is during the time where you're going to get the beginnings of Greek philosophy and some of the, the Roman thought in there as well. The, the, everyone knew this stuff didn't come from nowhere. That is, they didn't look around them and say, this just showed up. That would take us about another 1,800 years to come up with that idea. No, they, they looked around them and said, somewhere, this had to come from somewhere. And in particular, they said, there's got to be a brilliant mind behind this. And so what they basically said a lot of times is the word. It's the word that's behind this. Whatever the word is, whether it be a force or whatever, that's the one who's behind all of this. So feel the weight of that and read what John is saying. And I think you see what an amazing point he's making right out of the gate. In the beginning was the Word. So whoever this one was, he was in the beginning and he was the one who's in charge of all things. Now, just in case there's any chance that we are going to miss this, John is going to emphasize it as he goes on. So the first thing to know about him 
is that he was in the beginning. Now, I'll say that to say that's a strange way to put it. If you're at the very beginning and you say they that the person already was there, then that means they got there before the party started, right? It's the only way you can be before the beginning. He doesn't say in, in the beginning he is, right? He's saying in the beginning he was. So he was there even before the beginning. That's the idea here. Some would even use the term that he was pre-existent, though it's a strange term. But anyway, it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word was with God. This one was with God. So he coexisted with another before the beginning happened. He coexisted with another before the beginning happened. So what can we know about Jesus? He had it made. Jesus lived before the creation of the world. Jesus lived in perfect harmony with love like you and I long for and we've never fully felt and will never fully feel on this side of heaven. That is, and this is this demands the fact there has to be more than one part of the Godhead because it says they were with one another. You can't have one who's with one. That's weird. That's not the right language, right? It doesn't happen. So this is, uh, this is coexistence. Folks, have you ever thought about that? That Jesus felt love in community, in harmony, like family like you and I have never felt. Christmas is a great time to be with family. It's one of the things we love the most. But let's be honest, every one of our families is broken. Every one of our families is messed up. All of us have problems. You can give us the prettiest Christmas cards you want. And we know behind all of the smiles, even maybe take some Photoshop to get it, all of that, guess what? There's cracks and they hurt. Jesus Christ was part of a family that was perfect. They had no cracks. They loved each other with perfect harmony and love. I say that to say there's sometimes people talk about God as if he was lonely and therefore decided to create. He was so far from lonely, you can't imagine it. He had those who loved him. The father loved the son and he loved the spirit. And the spirit loved the son and he loved the father. And the son loved the father and he loved the spirit perfectly. And that actually is why the Trinity is a necessity. It's not an option because we, we believe that our God at the very heart of who he is, is a God of what? Love, right? Well, you can't love if you're the only one that exists. That's why the Trinity has to be there. You got to have more than one to love, right? And it's actually really interesting. There's not just two, there's three. What is one of the first things you, you learn uh, the saying? Three is a, you can fill it in, right? A crowd, right? It's one of the first things you learn in your peer struggles in life is watch out when there's three, it's going to be trouble, right? Because everything's good and then two gang up on the other. And then the, it shifts and then you got another two or ganging up on another. That's trouble, right? Three's a crowd. How amazing that the Godhead not only 
is more than one so that there can be love, but pick the hardest number for us as humans to ever contain in community, three, as the very number that would be the Godhead so perfect love could be shown. Never selfishness, never jealousy, never getting ganging up on the other. Complete, selfless, full love. And that's what Jesus Christ left when he came to earth. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. He was preexistent. He was coexistent. And the word, what? Was God. Now, this is where it is awesome. It's just awesome. Because in, in terms of language, unless... Jesus is God. This makes no sense. So sometimes people, somebody may knock on your door and begin to tell you about a lot of things, but they'll say, well, we don't really believe that the Bible says that Jesus is God. Um, I don't know how you make sense of this term right here if you don't, because it says, and the word was with God and the word was God. Now, let me ask you, how can you be was and with? That is, isn't it going to be weird if I say to you, I was with Tim and I was Tim. What? Right? Like you're going to sign me up to lay on a couch and talk to somebody about that, right? That's You don't say that. If I think both of those things, I got a personality problem, right? So I was with Tim. I was Tim. How is that? Well, the only way that this could be is that Jesus the Son was with God, God the Father and God the Spirit, and Jesus the Son was also God. That's how. He's God, and there's more than one. So this right here tells us there's got to be a trinity, and there has to be the incarnation, the idea that Jesus Christ is God. And so in verse 2, he says, He was in the beginning with God. He was self-existent, is what I want you to see. He was in the beginning with God. So we already said, if you're already at the party before it starts, then you had to, be, uh, you had to arrive early. Well, that's exactly what Jesus did. He does. He was never made. He already existed because he never could be made. He could not be created. He is God. Then verse 3 goes further. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. All things were made through him, and without him not anything made was made. Do you realize that Jesus Christ He's behind all of creation itself. He's behind it all. Colossians even goes further and tells us that he holds all things together in the first chapter of Colossians. And Hebrews tells us that he's the author of all things. That's Jesus. Again, I want you to see, this isn't just the picture of a man who sacrificed a lot or a man who is really good. I want you to see Jesus Christ, the scriptures declare, is the very God of gods. Proverbs 8 says this in verses 27 through 31. And tell me if this doesn't sound like what John is up to. This was written uh, around a thousand years before Jesus. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the seas its limit so that the waters may not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him. 
like a master workman, and I was daily his delight. You hear the joy of the Trinity there? Rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. So here we see the beauty of the Trinity and we see them working together for creation. Verse four, in him was life and the life was the light of men. In him was life and the life was the light of men. So in Jesus Christ is life. Now, again, I just want to make sure we nail this down as Christians. We, we don't just believe in some old story, but we truly believe that all of life is held up in the person of Jesus Christ. So one of the saddest things that can happen in life for us is that one of our loved ones dies. It's an awful thing. Death is a horrible thing. Well, what happens when a person dies? There's no more life, right? Life goes away. So if you can think about whatever that is that was there when, when they were alive and is gone when they're dead, that thing is life, right? All of it is held up in the person of Jesus Christ. He holds all of it. That's what John is saying. He, he holds it. It's not just like he's an example of it. He holds it. He's the power source for all of it. Jesus Christ is. And so it says, in him was life and the life was the light of men. That is what makes men so different is the life that is given to us in Jesus. And so we see this light shining all across the Old Testament. I like to think of the Old Testament as like moonlight. Um, so the moon, as you probably know, the moon doesn't shine, right? It's just a mirror of what? Of the sun. So the sun shines, it hits the moon, and then we see it. It looks to us like it's a shining being, but it doesn't have its own source of light. It's just a reflection of it. Well, really, as you look across the Old Testament, all of the Old Testament is a picture. It's like moonlight of Jesus. There's pictures of them waiting for us to see them, but they're just waiting there, allowing us to say, one day we'll see something different. Well, that's when Jesus comes into the world. Verse five, in the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not overcome it. So this is one of the fundamental Christian truths. And that is because of sin, the world's messed up. Because of sin, the world is messed up. And that is how the Bible describes our condition. It's dark. Right. So if you look around, you see the news, you see our reports and you go, man, this just feels like something is all chaotic and messed up. Well, you, the Bible agrees with you. That's right. It's dark. And then the light, then then the light shines into it and the darkness was not able to overcome it. And obviously this is a picture of the cross. It was not able to overcome it. Jesus ended up 
overcoming the grave. He came into it, but it did. he was not able to overcome it. This blows my mind. I love my kids deeply. I can't imagine. I just can't imagine you telling me, hey, Tim, what I want you to do is I want to take, take one of your children and I want you to drive to the roughest neighborhood you know of. And I want you to drop them off and drive away. What person would do that, right? But let's even go further. How could you do that? Can you imagine driving away, seeing them in the rearview mirror? This is what God the Father did. He went to the roughest neighborhoods you could imagine and multiply it by a thousand. And that's only the thing. So when I say it's a rough neighborhood, those are rumors I've heard about. God the Father knows how bad and messed up the world was. And he took his perfect only son and he dropped him off here. Not saying I hope things go well, but fully knowing they would destroy him and treat him shamefully like no one has ever been treated. Praise God, the darkness did not overcome it. Verse 6. This is great because what he wants to do right here is he wants to say, now, Jesus was a good man, but let me just be clear. He was more than just a good man. I'll show you a good man. Y'all know John the Baptist? That's what he's saying here. Y'all know John the Baptist? Good man, not Jesus. Good man, good man, good man. People love John the Baptist. He's a good man. He's not Jesus. Look at verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. So his job is to bear witness about the light. He was not the light. He was what? Not the light. But he came to bear witness about the light. That's what he's up to here. He wasn't the light. Y'all, he's a good man, but he wasn't the light. Jesus actually is the light. Then he goes to... Verse uh, nine, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. The true light, the sun was coming into the world. He was coming into the world. Verse 10, he was in the world and the world was made through him. And yet the world did not know him. Folks, if there's anything to stir our hearts, to make sure we check ourselves, Listen to this. He was in the world. The very world was made through him. And they did not know him. I don't know that it can get much scarier than that. That means you and I, we can look at Jesus, look right at him, and not know him. We can look right at him and not know him. Is this not one of the most humiliating verses that you could ever read about the human condition? The very God of God could be right before us and we would miss him. And it gets worse. Look at verse 10. He was, uh, sorry, verse 11. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. So it's not just that he came into the world generically, but he came to the very culture that hits part of his culture, his own people. And they didn't see him. 
You can hear all about Jesus. You can grow up around Jesus. You can think you know about Jesus. You can think you're praying to Jesus and not know him. We can trick ourselves like crazy about him. John says, I want you to know him. I want you to see that he's God. I want you to see that he holds all of life. I want you to see that he holds everything in check at all moments. That's who he is. That's who Jesus is. Verse 12. And this changes. This is salvation right here. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So how do you get right with God? How do you go from being enemy of God because of your sin and become a child of God? That's what this is about. You're either going to be punished as an enemy of God because of your sin, or you're going to be welcomed in and not just welcomed in like, hey, yeah, it's okay, you can come in, but welcome in like you get the welcome in when you go to mom and dad's house. And they say, oh, come on in, come on in, right? That welcome in. That's, it's one or the other. So how do you get there? Right there, verse 12. But to all who did what? Receive them. What do you mean receive them? So I just walk down the aisle and I say some prayer. That's receiving them, right? Who believed in his name. Now you and I, we don't know much about names in our culture. A name is a name is a name is a name, right? It's a huge deal in the Middle East. Your culture or in the ancient Near East, your, your name matters. Your name says a lot about who you are. If you convert from one religion to the other, one of the first things you do is you change your name. Your name defines you. So when it says they believed in his name, it means they believed all of the stuff about him. They believed in him. He says, if you do that, if you say, yes, he's all the things that he says he is, and I'm banking everything on him. He says, well, what happens? He gave the right to become children of God. Gave the right to become children of God. Not everybody is a child of God just because you're born. We talk like that. People say that. The Bible says that. I beg you to read the Bible and find a verse that says that. Instead, you have to believe in Jesus. Then you're a child of God. Who were born, and now it says it, not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. He changes the inside of us so that we can become the very children of God. This is the amazing idea of rebirth. It's the amazing idea that Jesus Christ has given us the opportunity to be right with God by his life and his death and his resurrection and then he gives us the amazing idea, the amazing opportunity to be reborn as a child of God. And he wraps this up. This is just a repeat, verse 14 through 18. Listen, this is going to sound so familiar. He just wraps it up. And the word became flesh and dwelled among us. Yep, we talked about that. He came, came and dwelt among us. We've seen his glory. That's the light part. Glory as of the only son from the father. That's the coexistent part. Full of grace and truth. It means he's all the things he promised to be. And he just keeps giving to us all of these things. 15. John bore witness about him and cried out. 
This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. Again, he's better than John. He's better than John. Verse 16. For from his fullness, we have all received one gift upon the other. Grace upon grace. The law was given through Moses. That's moonlight. That's moonlight. Oh, we can see some things. We can see it. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now that's sunlight. That's looking right at the very core. Verse 18. No one has ever seen God. The only God who's at the Father's side. But what has He done? He's made Him known. He's made Him known. So if we want to see God, then we see and we believe in who? In Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, the one who is sent. So to each of you, I say, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas for being given the most incredible gift we could ever be given. And think of all the sacrifice it took from the Father, unbelievable sacrifice. From the Son to give up all of that perfect community, all that stuff to go find adopted brothers and sisters from the Son and then the work of the Spirit to give us this revelation in the Scriptures. Merry Christmas. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you have given us Jesus Christ. He is the one who was before all things. He is the one who holds all things together. He is the one who holds for us life. He is the one who died and paid the penalty for our sins. He is the one for whom, to whom and if we believe we will have everlasting life. I pray, Father, that you would allow us to see him. Allow us to believe in him. Allow us to trust in him. I pray. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the incredible, incredible gift of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Lord. Amen.